psychology, uses a certified school psychologist, personal trainer, and nutritionist. His master's degree thesis in perfectionist, and he's been published in the International Journal of Wrestling Sciences. And we're happy to have Gene and Wayne Mindset back here with us again this year. And of course, yours. All right, thank you. Make sure we're here. All right, sounds good. Can you guys hear me? You can hear me in the back? Actually, you know what, let's slide in down here. Let's, let's get everyone here to bring it down here and let's get everyone over on this side to slide towards the middle. So this way we're not moving around all over the place. Let's just slide in. Five, four, three, <laughs> no, no. You put athletes on a clock, it tends to work. All right, it's time to get the mental edge. Thanks for having me back, real exciting to be here. Talk more about mindset. So again, my goal is the same as yours. I coached in college when I was at Springfield College doing my master's degree, my first master's in sports psychology, my second in clinical. And we talked about we really wanna take sports and use them as a vehicle for our whole life. So we wanna succeed in basketball, school, and life. And that's the beauty of sports. Sports can build virtue if we allow them to if we instill those virtues, and that's the key, all right? We just, we don't want the athletes to just look at it so one-dimensional, and you probably heard before, don't be a dumb jock, be a scholar athlete. And I've always believed that, that's why I pursued my education at the University of Pennsylvania. Me and my brother, who does this program with me, we started this, we're both all Ivy League wrestlers, and again, we wanted to take these lessons and bring them across the board to all sports. So we've been very blessed for it to be an unbelievable success, we've worked with the Olympic teams, we've worked with men's and women's Olympic teams, we work with some UFC fighters, as well as athletes all across the country. So we basically take some of the toughest people in the world and we make them even tougher. About a month and a half ago, Mike and I were just at Oklahoma, we were speaking to boys and girls basketball coaches there doing the same kind of thing. So it's great to be back, it's great to share the information. So again, making it sports, school, and life. Basketball has to be a vehicle to be the total package. And any of you that have been following our information know that it's not just a sports mindset program. We also have academic mindset where kids work on test-taking anxiety. I was a school psychologist before I started this program. You probably have seen it too. Maybe some of you have children where they weren't good test-takers or maybe they choked on standardized tests. We work with several athletes. They do well in the practice SATs, but then the real SATs come and they choke. Well, if you want to get into a top-tier school, you want to set yourself up for the future, you need to be able to rise to the occasion when it matters. It doesn't matter when it doesn't matter. It only matters when it does matter, right? So the idea is how do we bring that out of us? How do we bring out that best performance? So as I say, we break mindset down into eight different mental muscles with like confidence, motivation, mental toughness, staying in the present moment, relaxing under pressure, and so on and so forth. In all athletes, we're strong in some areas, and we're weak in other areas. All athletes, we've worked with tens and thousands of athletes across sports. We have 80 mindset coaches that work with us. So we've seen it. You know, we think that our problems and our issues are so individual, but there's actually a lot of common themes. So those of you that have seen our mindset red flags over here, being better in practice than in a competition, that's normal. We see that. Giving good opponents too much respect. When we know a team is ranked, Focusing too much on records, 
rankings, seedings, predictions. It'd be the same thing in school. If all you're focused on is, I gotta get into this college. I gotta get this grade. I don't wanna let my parents down. We're likely to choke. So confidence is confidence. Mental toughness is mental toughness. Doesn't matter if you're in a championship game, taking the SATs, job interview in the future, speaking in front of a lot of people, or saying no to drugs or peer pressure. Do you believe in yourself or not? And I don't take those kind of things lightly. As a school psychologist, we see, I was just actually recently um, quoted inside a great book about suicide because we see what's going on this day and age. Suicide, depression, substance abuse. I don't take this kind of stuff lightly. And a lot of it comes down to the mindset. Where are we at mentally? And these kids have it worse than we did back when we were competing because now it's social media all over the place. And social media is a great thing. I'm gonna to talk to you about how we could use social media to help build champions out there. But also it could hurt us when we're focused too much on what other people are doing. When we're comparing ourselves too much to other people, we tend to do worse. So confidence is confidence, mental toughness is mental toughness. We wanna to give you the mental edge and we wanna make sure it's a vehicle for our entire lives. So those of you that were here last year, you remember me talking about the difference between the predator and the prey mindset. Can I see your hands if you remember me talking about that? Okay, so we talked about this. One of the great lessons that we hit on, we'll just go, go through it briefly. Actually, we'll back up one second and we'll say, almost all coaches and athletes say sports are 90% mental. Right, How, what percentage mental would you say basketball is? What do you guys think? If you had to pick. You don't have to tell me what I want to hear. 80, 80% mental. Okay, athletes will say it's a very high number. And then we ask, how much time are you training physically versus mentally? What does that look like? A little different, right? I'm not a math person, but I know it doesn't go together. If we say sports are 80% mental, we need to be training 80% mental. Does that mean we spend less time on our skills and drills? No, it means we probably have to spend more time on our skills and drills, but we have to also make sure we're addressing the mental side of the sport. And unfortunately, if we're not trained in that area, we don't know exactly how to do that. I remember my coaches, they would sit us down, we would talk about, they, they would give us talks after practice. And a lot of times it would be sometimes circular reasoning. They would say, you gotta believe in yourself out there. Every coach tells their kid, every parent tells their kid, you gotta believe in yourself. Okay, coach, how do I do that? Well, you gotta be confident. Well, how do I be confident? You just believe in yourself and the wheels on the bus go round and round. See that circular reasoning, it doesn't work and kids pick up on it. Same thing with relaxing under pressure. We tell our kids, you gotta be calm out there. How do I be calm, coach? You gotta relax. How do I relax? You just be calm. And it's not, and it's not solving anything. So the idea is this, we, we've put together a systematic basketball specific program that's very down to earth, very practical, and easily accessible to high school and college athletes. All right, most kids are not very theoretic, most, most athletes are not very theoretical and philosophical. That's why we play sports, we're hands-on, right? We're kinesthetic learners, we need to see it, touch it, taste it, smell it. So that's what we, do. That's what we look to do. We created everything where it's very down to earth, very practical. So it's gotta be systematic and we gotta be taking the bull by the horns. We gotta be doing the exercises in the worksheets. So if I say it once, I say it 53 times, you have to do the things we're telling you to do or nothing's gonna happen. Okay, if you're just listening, 
If you're just listening to information, in fact, this is studies that we learned as, as school psychologists. If you're just listening to a lecture, what percentage of the information are you going to remember? Who knows that? If you're just listening to a lecture, what percent are you going to remember? On average, 5%. 5% that's down there in the toilet. That's almost like you weren't even here. So that's why when you come to these clinics, you go to camps, you have a notebook, you're taking notes, you're writing things down. Also, just a nice side piece here, you're actually perceived as more intelligent if you take notes. So people judge you as being even more intelligent. Not that we care about that, because we don't care what other people think, but that's a nice little benefit too. So write things down, otherwise we forget it. It's gotta be written down. So I'll go through the four mindset rules, four rules of mindset training. Four rules of mindset training. Number one, I just said it, write it down. It's gotta be written down. You know, if you write down your goal on paper, you're 90% more likely to reach that goal, 90%. There's a dynasty right now in wrestling, Penn State, and their coach is very big on this. They write down their goals. They don't just write down their goals, they also draw a picture of themselves achieving that goal, or take a picture, basically building that imagery. So if, we, if we're seeing our goal every day, we're looking at a picture, we're more likely to accomplish it. Why do you think in high school, your teacher had you write down, make a dream board? Some of you had to make a dream board so you could see your goal. Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about that all the time. Like him or not, the guy's a massive success. He's been a success in movies, politics, and bodybuilding, right? So you have to learn from the most successful people. Got to write it down on paper. Number two is keep it simple, especially with mindset. Being so theoretical, like it could be sometimes, we got to keep it simple. You probably heard the analogy kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Well, we got to apply it. So a lot of times when we say this information, you don't want to say to yourself, I already know this. That's lazy thinking. That's weak, lazy thinking. The best, the most successful basketball players, they're not lazy thinkers. The happiest people, they're not lazy thinkers. When you catch yourself saying, I already know this, I challenge you from this day forward, make the good resolution, ask yourself this question, how well am I applying it? When you catch yourself saying, I already know this, ask yourself, how well am I applying it? Think about it with nutrition, right? You want to be in shape? We want to be in good shape. We want to have abs and that sort of thing, right? Or at least look fit, right? Feel fit, we feel better. We pretty much know what to eat. Are we making good decisions, right? So think about this also, K minus A equals zero. Knowledge minus action equals nothing. If you know what to do, but don't do what you know, what good is it? Right, so K minus A equals zero. So keep it simple. We know it's important to sleep eight hours. Did we sleep eight hours last night? Maybe, maybe not, hopefully. So making sure we're putting these things into practice. So keeping it simple. Number three, one thing at a time. Similar to what I just said before, but it's worth, it's worth spelling this out. One thing at a time. You send a player in to learn techniques, skills, drills, there's, om there's only so much the mind can internalize at once. You're better off going into practice with one good, attainable, realistic, specific goal rather than going in trying to improve 10 different areas. Okay, so keep it simple. And number three, like we said, is one thing at a time. Don't overcomplicate it, and especially with our mindset. So when we talk to a lot of athletes and a lot of teams, there's a laundry list of areas that coaches want their athletes to improve. Okay, we need to identify what are the two or three most important areas. 
and work on those. Same thing with our technique. It doesn't matter, it's across all sports. Maybe you're not a competitive athlete right now, maybe you play golf, it's the same thing. Identify the two or three biggest areas of your golf game and work on that. It doesn't make a difference what area. That's why I, I love to stress it, that it's all areas of life, basketball, school, and life. That's why we created an academic mindset program to address that head on. Some of, the, some of you private, private schools, Catholic schools, we work with some of the top private schools in the country. We also work with them on campus ministry. That's a separate thing, but with them we're working on faith. But I'm just giving you the picture that it's holistic. It's spirit, mind, and body. It's leaving no stone unturned and maximizing our potential. So one thing at a time, let's keep that in mind. And number four, this might sound surprising, when in doubt, don't think, act. When in doubt, don't think, act. I kind of gave away the answer here, but imagine there's three basketball players, equal talent, everything, everything else is equal, but one athlete, all positive thoughts. The second athlete, all negative thoughts. The third athlete, not thinking anything. Lights are on, but no one's home. Which one of those three players is gonna play the best? What do you think? I kind of gave it away. No, not the positive thinker. It would seem like the positive thinker, right? This day and age, everything that we've heard from people, conventional wisdom says the positive thinker, right? We know it's not the negative thinker, get rid of that person, but the positive thinker probably, wrong. It's actually option C, the athlete who's not thinking pretty much anything. Now again, this doesn't mean that they can't, you have to practice, you have to learn it, you have to, you practice your skills, your drills. You don't practice until you get it right. You know that, right? You don't practice until you get it right. You, you practice it until you can't get it wrong. It's gotta be muscle memory. So once it's so ingrained and you're at that level, now it comes down to not thinking. That's why as coaches, one of the biggest mistakes I made with my, with my brothers when I was coaching them, my younger brothers, is I yelled a lot. I was over coaching. And then what happened is once I went and I was coaching the college team and I had some distance, I wasn't as emotionally involved because it wasn't my family. And what did I realize? There's only, there's only certain moments in that competition that I could actually affect the outcome. Most of the time I'm just wasting my energy and not only wasting my energy, I'm making my brothers more likely to do worse because they want, to, they want their older brother to be proud of them. They want to make sure they're listening to me and it's just clouding their head with all this nonsense. So you want them to be clear thinkers. So I do this exercise with athletes across the country, all sports. I ask, what were you thinking during your best competition? So pause for a second and think. Try to go back to your competing days. What were you thinking in your best competitions? When you were playing at your absolute best, when things were clicking, when you were in that flow state, what were you thinking? Now I guarantee if I started pointing to people and calling you out and asking you, what did you think? You'd probably say these words, I don't know, I just, and then you would fill in the blank. You, I see some heads nodding. I don't know, I just, and you, would, and you would fill in the blank. What does that tell you? Think about that a little bit deeper. If you're saying, I don't know, I just, what's happening there is you probably weren't thinking that much. Or if you were thinking, it was very specific points. It wasn't all over the place. But if I ask you, what were you thinking when you were playing your worst? Tell me about your worst games. What were you thinking when you, when you totally underperformed? I was thinking about not looking bad in front of my parents. I really wanted to win. I was afraid I was gonna lose. I didn't wanna choke. I didn't wanna let down the college scouts. My friends were in the stand. 
my girlfriend, my boyfriend, whoever, right? We're thinking about letting other people down. We're telling ourselves, this team's ranked in the state. This team beat us last year. Getting too caught up in the newspapers, the records and the rankings. We beat this team by this many points, but they lost to that team by those points. We're guilty of it. We're guilty of it. So our, our idea, if we want to be operating at the highest level, we got to stop thinking like average people. If we, if we just think like average people, we're going to be, that's what we're going to be. We're going to be average. We need to start looking at the best people. We need to start asking ourselves, how do the best athletes in the world think? How do the most successful students think, right? When you're talking to your students, your student athletes, don't compare, don't compare to the average kid in class. How are the best students acting? What are they doing? I tell you at the college level, your best students, they're going into office hours, they're sitting in the front row of classes, they're asking questions, they're getting tutors before the teachers go to them, they're going to their writing center, that's the attitude of a champion. So compare yourselves to the best students, not the average student, right? How are the happiest people in the world thinking? How are the holiest people in the world thinking? That's what I want to know. I don't care about average because that's, that's going to be most people. You want to be different than most people, you got to do things differently. So those are the four rules that we have there. When it, so the last one, number four, is when in doubt, don't think, act. How many times have we talked ourselves out of a workout? I should really go for a run today. Ah, well, we'll see how I'm feeling in five minutes. And then what? We don't go for the run. Remember this, it's the start that stops most people. It's the start, I'd write that down. It's the start that stops most people. If you're feeling any kind of urge inside you, a temptation, peer pressure, um, an inkling to do something you know you shouldn't be doing, your best chance at beating a temptation is the second it happens. The more you let it linger, you know what I'm talking about, I've gone through this too, the more you let it linger, any kind of temptation or peer pressure, the more likely you are to give in. It's the start that stops most people and your best chance to beat a temptation is right away. So that's gotta be the attitude that we have. So when in doubt, don't think, act. If you know what to do, do it. I know I should be going to bed earlier, but instead, what would I rather do? I'd rather play video games, I'd rather be on Netflix, I'd rather be watching, whatever, right? Instead, when you get that inkling, I should go to sleep, go to bed right there. Don't wait, just go to bed. So apply that to all areas of your life. That's what I love about it. You could literally apply these lessons to everything. So those are the rules of mindset training. So as we said before, last year when we were here, we talked about the predator and prey mindset. And it's really not anything new. All of you coaches are saying the same thing as me in that regard. You tell your athletes, focus on what you could control. Don't focus on the things outside of your control, right? That's nothing new. Any one of you could be up here saying that same thing. But how do you get that message to stick with the kid? How does it stick? And that's why we're very big on using vivid imagery. We like using the predator and prey analogy. And again, you know we're talking about, we're, we're being metaphorical here. Right? It sticks with kids. When you use that imagery, it works. So we talk about predator animals, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. What do they have in common? How can you tell a predator animal? Are their eyes on the front of their head or on the side? Front. Right, predator animals have their eyes on the front of their head. So they're focused on their prey. They're not focused on, focusing on what goes on around them. So we tell our athletes, as we said last year, eyes on the front like to hunt. Say it. That's a little weak, but all right. Eyes on the front like to hunt. Kids remember that. That sticks. 
that makes sense. If your kids are looking at themselves as either the lion or the gazelle, they want to be the lion. So work with that. Use that great creativity and that great imagination. You know, most of us, we use our imagination for the wrong thing. We use our imagination to think about how we're going to blow it. Right? We think about it. A lot of players, you see them about to take a foul shot. A lot of times they're thinking about how they could miss it. How many different ways can they miss, miss the shot? If you're a golfer yourself, how many times before you swing, you're thinking about all the ways you're going to hit the ball into the water or how you're going to hit the ball into the, into the sand. Right? So I see some head nodding. We use our great imagination that God gave us on the wrong thing. We got to use it to start helping us. And this is how we do it. So predator animals, eyes on the front, like to hunt. That means we're focusing. That's a metaphor for focusing on three things. Three things that are within our control. Our effort, our attitude, and our aggressiveness. Effort, attitude, aggressiveness. This is something you really need to burn into the minds of all your athletes. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. One thing I will say about that, that's more when we're talking about the performance, because your preparation is in your control too. You could really include pe preparation to that, but I'm talking about game day. I'm talking about the day you're going to take a test, the day of the SATs. I'm talking about right when you're out of college and you're going for that job interview. Or maybe you're asking someone out on a date and that's when you feel real stressed out. Okay, in those moments, the three things that are in your control is your effort, your attitude, and your aggressiveness. And nine times out of ten, if you're focusing on something outside of that, you're probably going to do worse. So that's what our focus is. Effort, attitude, aggressiveness. Those are factors within your control in all areas of life. It's just as true for sports as it is for your marriage. Prey mindset. Squirrels, chipmunks, rabbits, their eyes are on the side of their head. They're focusing on what's going on around them. They're comparing themselves to other people. Remember we spoke about depression before. Why are a lot of people depressed? We compare ourselves to other people. Why don't I have as many friends on Instagram? Or why don't I get, get as many likes? Why do, um, you know, my, my teammate improved at a lot faster rate than I did. Why is this team, we focus on other people, what's going on around us. Number one, that's, that's a rep, recipe for, for disaster. That's a recipe for depression. And number two, you're more likely to lose. You're more likely to lose if you're focusing on what's going on around you. So we can't get caught up in the rankings, the records. You look at LeBron James, one of the things he does in the playoffs, he goes on a blackout, a social media blackout. He's off social media in the playoffs. Why? Because he doesn't need the extra distractions. And we've seen this with success in other sports. I can tell you there's Olympic champions in other sports that we've seen, we've worked with their teams. One year they're promoting their shoe, their shoe deal, they're posting videos with all the great athletes they're with at the Olympics, they're taking pictures next to Serena Williams, and then what happens? They go into the competition and they do worse. We talked about that the next year at the World Championships, Two of our, our star athletes actually choked in the Olympics. They won the world championships the year after. And we talked to those Olympic coaches. It was directly related to focusing on what's going on around them. Getting involved in the hype. Getting involved in the event. Look, I remember when my brother was at Penn, our coach was a world, was a world champion, Olympic silver medalist. The top two teams in the country were competing. We were in a tournament. And we had to buy that round. So our team wanted to watch the top teams in the country compete, right? Who wouldn't? You're a kid, you wanna watch that. Our coach told us, men, we're not spectators, we're participants. We're not watching this competition, we're going in the back room and we're gonna recover mentally and physically. 
How do you think we felt at the time? We were mad. Coach doesn't know what he's talking about, this stinks. I want to, you know, I want to watch this competition. But looking back, coach was right. If we would have got caught up in that hype, we might have done worse in the future. So we can't get caught up in that hype and what's going on around us. So we say with predator mindset, eyes on the front like to hunt. For prey mindset, we say eyes on the side like to hide. Let's hear it. Right, eyes on the side like to hide, eyes on the front like to hunt. Bring that to your kids. That's a lesson you could take to your kids immediately and it sticks. I mean, literally, we've seen this elementary school right through the Olympic team and mixed martial arts fighters that are pro. Right? It just sticks. It works. So you got to go with what works. And you see those patterns. It's great to see. There's always those patterns. So other thing I wanted to hit on, three big reasons why people will do mindset training. Usually teams that we work with, all your teams are in different places. There's three big categories that people tend to fall into. Number one, we work with some elite teams that are actually the very top in the state and the very top in the country. And they're looking to maintain that edge on their competition. Um, they're already at the top, but they want to widen the gap. So if I'm already number one, I want to, if I'm winning by 10, I want to start winning by 20. If I'm winning by 20, I want to win by 30. Getting a dynasty and keeping there. That's, that's one of the reasons that we see with mindset, leaving no stone unturned. Same thing with athletes, right? Because we have an individual and we have a team program. Number two reason we see is people are struggling with some of these mindset red flags. See, a big misconception with mindset training is people a lot of times just think mindset training is about this, fixing the problems. I was guilty of that too. We had a sports psychologist when I was at the University of Pennsylvania. Think about it, that's Philadelphia. Our sports psychologist was the sports psychologist of the Flyers, the Sixers, the Eagles, all those teams we don't like, right? <laughs> well, he was down there and he, in other words, he knew what he was talking about. He was, he was a top you know, professional, but a lot of guys didn't want to work with the mindset coach because if I work with the mindset coach, it looks like I have a problem. And a lot of us probably feel that way. Here's what I, the way I like to look at it. Look at mindset training like strength training for your mind. Think about it as a strength training analogy. I don't want to lift weights because I don't want to think that I'm weak. Does that make any sense? I don't want to go in the weight room. I don't want to get a personal strength coach because I don't want to be perceived as weak or I don't want to think I have a problem. Wrong. The strongest people tend to do the most strength training. And it's a very similar thing that we see even at the higher levels of sports. It's the top teams that are usually doing a lot of work on the mind. So making sure we understand that it's not just about fixing problems, it's also about maximizing our potential, right? I was a pretty good writer. I wasn't very good at math. I was very good at writing, but I also spent a lot of time in the writing center. So generally, if you're good at a certain area and you spend a lot of time on it, you'll develop even faster than other people, right? So the talent gap. So this is another area though, another reason why a lot of our athletes will come to us about mindset training. A lot of times an athlete gets injured and they're never the same. I'm sure all of you have seen this. Athletes, they get hurt and then they can't bounce back. They never mentally recover. That's sometimes the best possible time to start the mindset training because now they're not lifting weights. Now they're not doing their normal skills and drills, but they can work on their mind. They could recover that way. And then any of these other areas, being a slow starter, difficulty bouncing back from mistakes. They're doing well, but then they make one mistake and what happens? They lose it, 
right? So we come up with very specific, back to those specific and practical exercises we give. One of the things we do with your athletes, the teams we come in and we work with, we develop a reset button. Everyone in the team develops a reset button, something they physically do, whether it's a hand clap, shake their hands out, pat themselves in the face, you pick one reset button, and then when you get in moments of adversity, and we actually list them out, so the athletes know what they're gonna tell themselves in those moments of adversity. So referee makes a bad call. What are you telling yourself? You make a big mistake. What are you saying to yourself? Your opponent takes a cheap shot, does something dirty. What's going on in your mind? What you tell yourself in those moments could erase years of training. I know I've been through that too. Years of training you could lose if you don't plan for those specific moments. Now our job isn't to give the technical feedback. That's you guys. You guys are the coaches. You're telling them what to do technically. What we're doing is we're making sure their thinking is organized so when, those, when they get in these situations, it's second nature. Just like their muscle memory, it's in their mind. They know what they're gonna tell themselves when adversity strikes. And most athletes don't have a plan. And the athletes who do have a plan, even fewer of them have it written down. And mindset rule number one is make sure it's written down on paper. Otherwise, we tend to repeat the same mistake over and over. So it is a big reason why people start mindset training, going through those red flags. And number three, three big reasons, the third big reason why teams and individuals use mindset training is really more for the life lessons. Building a culture with the team, having shared values, building up that experience, building leaders, and sometimes just hearing it from someone other than the coach. Right, a lot of times you hear things from the coach, oh, okay, whatever, and everything. It's the same thing as a parent. You know, your kids, oh yeah, sure, dad's saying this, mom's saying it. But then when they hear it from someone else, it tends to stick a little bit more. So it does build a culture. So generally speaking, any team that I'm dealing with, it's one of those three buckets. So you think about that. Where does your team tend to fall? Are you already an elite team? Are you a team that's right on the cusp that needs to overcome that hurdle? Or is it a culture thing, leadership? academics, it could be a combination of all of them. So it's important that we focus on it. So three big areas, another thing I want to hit on, three big areas that, that a lot of times most coaches are missing out on, that we're missing the boat. And one of them is social media. I hit on it before, I hit on why social media was a hurtful thing in some situations. Now you got to think about how social media helps you, okay? You got to think like the kids. You got to be able to get into the kids' minds. What are they doing? What are they looking at? We can't get stuck in our old ways, right? A lot of times as coaches, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. You have a certain level of success and we say, okay, I know, I know. I don't need to hear the new things. It's important to know what the kids are, do what the kids are doing. Where, where, where are the kids spending their time? Where are the kids spending their money? What do the kids care about? When you start thinking you have all the answers, you need to start changing your questions. That goes in any area of life. You're either growing or you're dying. A tree is either growing or it's dying. So is a person, so is a team. And it has everything to do with the question, am I content with where I'm at or am I trying to get better? So if you think you have all the answers, you gotta change the question. Social media is big. So one of the things we pour a lot of time into with our winning mindset program is our social media. My recommendation is you start doing that within your team. Get people to build a community on social media. And you gotta know where the people are. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, you know, different areas, older kids, LinkedIn. You gotta know where they are. Ask kids on the team and start building up a social media presence. That's how you get people in the school to care. 
That's how you start packing the gyms, and that's how you get kids that are engaged in a culture, and that's very big. So, who has their phone? Got your phone? Turn the Wi-Fi on right now. Show you what I'm talking about. What's that? Oh, Bluetooth. Yes, so go to the Wi-Fi, make sure you're logged in a Cortland guest. And I'll show you how simple this is. You could do this kind of stuff with your team. It's very easy. So one of the things that we have to make our information easy, it's called Linktree. I don't, I don't work for them or anything. I just found this resource like probably a month ago and I saw it, I was like, this is, this is pretty good. So it's a one-stop shop with all of our winning mindset information. So we just released, this, this week it came out, a hard cover, a hard copy book of the Predator Mindset. So we have that, all of our podcasts, our YouTube, it's all free, it's all there. If you go to, so you log in, you make sure you're on the Cortland guest, and now what's gonna happen right here, I could just airdrop people. So right now, go ahead, make sure you're logged in. You could see, some of you are getting, I see a lot of people are logging in, and you'll see you're able to get our link tree on the spot. No numbers exchanged, it's just right there. So you just accept it and that information is there. So we know the kids are constantly on social media. So when we're working with the team, we're working with the team a lot of times once a week, right? So we do Skype workshops with the team. We get everyone into a classroom, an auditorium. We get everyone together. And then what are we doing? Here, Mike, you can take, take it from here. If you see anything else. We get the team together. We work with the team for about 45 minutes to an hour going through the mindset workshop, the worksheets. That's important, like I said, it's gotta be the activities, the worksheets, the exercises. What are they doing the rest of the week? That's one hour a week they're working on their mindset training. They have those worksheets forever so they could always refer to them, but what are they doing? Usually what they're doing is they're on social media. They're on Instagram. They're listening to podcasts. So that's why it's very important to us with Basketball Mindset, you see. We have a presence on our social media pages. We have a podcast, we have YouTube, because that's what the kids are listening to. So we wanna keep feeding that information to the kids. It's very important, and it's also important ourselves that we're listening to positive information. A lot of your kids are looking at and listening to crap, stuff that's distracting at best and downright immoral at worst, okay? So what we need to do is, as a team, we need to make sure we're preaching that as leaders as coaches, as teachers, that if there's people that you're following on Instagram, on Snapchat, on Facebook that are doing the wrong things, you gotta unfollow those people. You need to actually say that as coaches, as parents, as leaders, because kids are looking at garbage. And it's, like I said, at best it's a distraction and they're staying up late. At worst, it's things that are immoral. Teaching them to objectify women, use bad language, um, you wonder why a lot of kids don't have a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of respect, right? Mouthing off to people because they're watching crap. So we gotta start filling their head. We can't get them off Instagram altogether. That, that's not realistic. But we can say, start following positive messages. We can give them good resources to use. So that's one of the things we provide. So for me, if it's a good resource, I'm recommending it to our athletes. Sure, follow our stuff, great. Make sure you're following other positive things too. There's a lot out there and unfollow the things that you know that are causing you, you know, negativity. Sometimes it's maybe an ex. You keep checking your ex's profile, right? You, know, you broke up a while ago. It's distracting you now. You don't need it anymore. Block them. Delete them. Cut the, cut the garbage, right? You gotta trim the fat in life. So make sure you're focusing on the things you can. So social media is very important to us. Make sure you're using that as a coach. Next, it's gotta be active participation. 
I've said it many times before, it's not just lip service, it's doing, it's taking the action. And the third thing is, I'm gonna, because I'm gonna tie two and three together, actionable learning, and number three is making sure you have a purpose. You gotta have a purpose. So when I spoke with the Olympic team at Colorado Springs, this was actually their favorite lesson. We talked about aggressiveness, we talked about how to stay in the present moment, how to relax under pressure, what they should tell themselves right before the biggest competition of their life. Their favorite lesson was when we spoke about purpose. When we talk about goal setting, and goal setting is much more than just writing down your goal. We have a full five part series on goal setting and about three exercises on each worksheet. The purpose is more important than your goal. That's the most important thing I could tell you about goal setting. Your purpose is more important than your goal. Write that down, memorize it, internalize it. Your purpose is more important than your goal. It's very important to have goals. It's even more important to have a purpose. As I said before, when we talked about the danger, the sad things in life, the substance abuse, the suicide, the depression, two warning signs for depression or for suicide are purposelessness and hopelessness. Purposelessness and hopelessness. So what, what, what does that mean? If we want to do our job as educators, as parents, as coaches, they have to have a purpose. They have to have hope, right? So we got to have that purpose. So when you look at, I like to look at the great warriors of all time. Look at the US military. Look at the Spartans, the Samurai, the Aztecs, right? What do they have in common? Two things. They know what they believe and they're willing to die for it. And that knowing what they believe, that means having a purpose. So what does that have to do with athletes? One of the number one things we're scared of is losing. That's one of the biggest things that makes us nervous, underperforming. We're scared to lose. We don't like to get laughed at. And I'm no different, I still, I want you to like me. I'm a human, but I can't care about that. I gotta focus on the things that are within my control. It's the same thing with athletes. If they're competing just to look good in front of you, just to get the pat on the back, just to make mom and dad proud, it's good to have those things, but we can't focus on it. That can't be the main purpose. The purpose has to come from within. You gotta know what the purpose is. So that's critical. And I could tell you the top teams in the country, the top teams in the world, all sports, they have a purpose. They have a purpose. So look at, look at, look at the US. I saw some pictures of um, the US revolution outside. What was, the, what was the goal in the war for the US against, Great, uh, against England, Great Britain? What was the goal? Goal was to win the war, right? Why? What was their purpose? Freedom, right? So think about it. The goal was to win the war. The purpose was freedom. People are probably not going to die just to win a war. People are probably not going to put themselves on the line just to win the war. Yes, winning is important, but what's going to drive you in those difficult moments is the purpose. And I'm no different. Not an athlete anymore. Now with our business and growing, we started, like I said, in the sport of wrestling. We branched out to other sports. We're coast to coast, 80 mindset coaches. The goal is to eventually have an international multi-million dollar business. We're very far from that point right now. But that's not what gets me excited. What gets me excited is my purpose. And as a Catholic, I take my faith very seriously. And I know the purpose is to glorify God with my life. And I believe this is the reason why he put me here. This is what I was called to do. I get excited because my purpose is I want to give you athletes the lessons I wish I had when I was sitting in your shoes. That fires me up. The idea of you passing these lessons on to your team, to your children, to your grandchildren, that's what gets me excited. That's what makes me want to drive for a while to come out, 
were coming over from Manhattan, not too far. Probably some of you were coming from a lot further than that. But that's what gets me excited. It's the purpose that drives you. Yeah, the money, good, that'll fire you up a little bit, but really what gets you excited is your purpose. It's the same thing with your team. It's the same thing with your team. So building that culture where purpose is big. And that's why we like to say building the total athlete, building scholar athletes. It's athletics, it's academics, it's your social life, it's the way you eat, it's the way you sleep. It's being the total package. So that's the idea. And you've got to build that into the team. We're a team that's committed to excellence. We're striving to be the very best in every area. So we have there is we have the athletes every single day stand up on their feet and they go through the four mindset principles. I see I'm ticking down. But the four mindset principles, you could write these down quick. We'll post them up all over the place. Number one is I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. Having an attitude of gratitude. The opposite of depression is not happiness. It's actually thankfulness. Okay, the happiest people have the attitude of gratitude. Listen to championship games, the interviews after championship games. Listen after the Olympics. Almost all the top performers say the same thing. I was thankful for the opportunity. Some people know what I'm talking about. I was just thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, if you're thankful, you're not gonna be that nervous. If I'm taking the SATs and I'm saying, you know, I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful to get an education. One sixth of the world can't read. Literally, one sixth of the world I think is still illiterate. So we're blessed to be here. This is a blessing that I get to take the SATs. You're not gonna be as nervous. And you're also gonna be happier in your life. So number one, I'm thankful for the opportunity to play. Go to any local nursing home or, or hospital and you see there's people who can't, don't have the same things that you have. Number two, I'm aggressive and relentless. I'm aggressive and relentless. And that's critical because that's the way we live. Sports, school, and life. We play to win, we're not afraid of losing. We don't like to lose, I still hate to lose. I wanna reach my goals, but we're not afraid to lose. That's number three. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. Makes me think of what John Wooden said, again, highly regarded as the greatest coach of all time of any sport back in sports century, if you remember in 2000, you know, arguably. One of the things he said was the team that makes the most mistakes usually wins. The, teams that makes the, the team that makes the most mistakes usually wins. Do you think he liked making mistakes? No. Do you think he wasn't on his players about not making mistakes? Of course he was. He was always trying to clean up technique. But he recognized that most people don't bring out their best because they're focusing too much on making mistakes. So he told his team, make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. My middle school coach, my middle school football coach, I remember before the state championship football game, this back in the Pop Warner days, our coach told us the opposite. He said, it's very simple, men. The team that makes the most mistakes is gonna lose, okay? So do we wanna focus on my middle school coach or someone like John Wooden? Start studying the best. Tell your athletes, they gotta start studying the best in the world. Otherwise, average people are gonna give you average results. Um, no disrespect to my coach, he meant well. I made the same mistake with my brothers. Uh, that's one of the things I did wrong. Actually, before my brother's state championship match, I hate telling the story, but it's so important. Before his match, I wrote out a pep talk. You see the movie Any Given Sunday or the movie Miracle, right? You see the coach give this, this grand speech right before the team goes out there and then you see them win and everyone's happy. Well, in real life, pep talks hurt. That was something John Wooden knew also. He never gave his team pep talks, ever. I'm not saying he didn't talk to them, but he didn't give this motivation pep talk. I did that before my brother's state finals match and a guy who he normally beats, he wound up losing. He came out like a deer in the headlights. His eyes were this wide. He was shook, he was nervous. We see it all the time, all sports, championship games. 
these athletes, you know they're beat. You could just look at their face. You look right in their eyes, they're done before they even step out there. That was the mistake I made by making it a big deal, right? What, what should have I told my brother? Do what you normally do. Just have fun. It's another day in the office. Just be you. Does that sound familiar if you listen to the interviews of top-level athletes? We think we have to tell ourselves, this is it. Now or never, do or die, make it or break it. There is no tomorrow. This is, the, this is, this is what counts. And then we wonder why a lot of times we play better in practice. Because in practice, we tell ourselves the opposite. We tell ourselves, we still want to do well, but it's just have fun, just be me, take chances, I have nothing to lose. And go figure, that's exactly the attitude that's going to bring out your best. So number three is I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And number four is I never, ever give up. And remember, we could give up while we're losing. We could also give up while we're winning. How many times have we had a lead and then we start pumping the brakes and the other team comes back? I could think of a lot of some of my most painful losses. I was winning and I stopped. I started going easier. Instead of being a little more hardcore and to tell yourself you keep scoring and scoring and eventually the other team breaks, that's when you stick them in the ground. You step right on their throat. And we mean that metaphorically, of course. Fair, square, fair, square, and by the rules. But you can't feel sorry for your opponent. You can't pump the brakes. So those are the four mindset principles. And before and after every mindset workshop we do with your team, we go through those because they need to ingrain that into their mind. And we've seen athletes right after winning an NCAA championship, now they have a microphone in their face. So you think they were scared to play? Now they got to speak in front of a few thousand people. And what did they say? I was thankful for the opportunity. I had no fear of losing or making mistakes. We program them so well by the end of the year by getting hundreds of mental reps throughout the season. Hundreds, after, before and after every practice. Mindset principles, mindset principles. Your mind starts thinking that way. And when you get in those biggest moments of your life, you're ready to go. You're well prepared. So you got to get that repetition. So no, it's a lot of great stuff, a lot of information, a lot of things we hit on. Good thing about it, again, social media we take serious. That's why you want to make sure you follow that link tree. We'll post up this video on our, on our podcast. We'll have it up there. You'll be able to watch it again. Share it with your teammate. It's great stuff. But like I said, it doesn't make a difference where we're at in our career. Once our career is over, we want to make sure that we left no stone unturned. We've used basketball as that metaphor for our entire life. So we're focused on it. So if we keep doing what we're doing, we keep getting what we're getting. And sometimes those top players need the most mental training because they have the most pressure. They have the most coaches and scouts looking at them. So we got to focus on it. I say it over and over again. Mindset makes the difference, and it really does. So thank you again for having me. Great seeing you. And we should have some sign-in sheets that are going around. So if you didn't do that already, make sure you sign in. And if you need the link tree, just come to us after. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> We're going to move on to the next part of our program, which will be our award section. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website, zwinningmindset.com. 
make sure you get the ebook. Also, make sure as an individual you sign up for the one-on-one free trial consultation. That's the one-on-one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one-on-one attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one is always the best. Thanks for staying with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.